We hitched a ride with Wonder Woman to Paradise Island, where we could interview the other Amazons about her childhood. When we asked about her time as Wonder Girl, though, all they could talk about was the Merboy, her paramour at the time. Had their romance been built on respect, or had the Merboy been just the younger Steve Trevor? We needed to find out, and the Amazons had a time machine. Hi, my name is John. And I miss clean air. I know, we both do. Uh, this, the California fires are happening, and everything sucks, and we can't do anything about it. But until they're gone, I guess we'll keep making podcasts and reading comics, because it's all we can do in the shelter of our own homes. I, I just want to call out there that there wasn't... I expected there to be a pause there, where you would have caught yourself before saying, good comics. Uh, we're going to get into that, but we are the DC detectives, <laughs> and it is our job to go back through the annals oh, of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. There oh, we go. I was paying too much attention to the fact no, that... No, you're I fine. Th- I think actually that won't be too bad. Okay, um, okay. We're, we're trying out some new stuff today with the mics because we know a lot of you are having trouble hearing us just on like your normal volume for things, so we're trying a little something different that is messing with the gain of our audio capture um end of inside baseball we're trying something new we hope you like it uh much like your coworker who tries to show off that new shampoo that you would never notice them using only by like the smell um that's what we're doing except instead of smell it's sound that was remarkably specific. It works, though, I was going right? to say something about how, like, you know how you hit F5 a lot waiting yeah. for the site to refresh? That's how we are looking at, like, the gain levels. Um, but today, uh, we are a gumshoe short. Uh, Shannon was unable to join us for this Wonder Woman romp that we're going through today and some really weird stories. And I have notes about some continuity issues that I have to bring up um, <laughs> that are really bothersome to me as the continuity nerd here on the podcast continuity nerd yeah the continuity nerd much I like, like much like yeah. jay editin and miles um stokes mm-hmm. i am a continuity nerd and that is my thing i had never heard that term before i'm now. making it up right now boom well lexicon done. uh well done. that's why i fumbled with it when i first said it yeah. uh but we're going through wonder woman um more kaniger and you know i think i like the art the art's growing on me it's not the best. Uh, it's not the best. But I, I, like... I have a specific call out that I'll make either now or later on. Yeah. That uh, bugs me. Ross, Andrew, and Mike Esposito. Andrew is doing the pencils, and Esposito is doing the inks, and Kaniger is writing everything. Um, the pages do actually have some hints at kind of like Carmine Infantino's set building. Like when the girders hmm. falling from the sky, and and it, we'll get into it. There's there's hmm. some there's some panels sure. that are legitimately well drawn. Um, that are actiony as well as scope. Other than those few and far between panels, it's not saving the art style for Andrew. Mm. It's not like we're saying like Andrew has suddenly moved up in the rankings. It's more like, well, you're not as bad as these other artists that we've seen. Um, so, I mean, it's hard to compete when at the same time we've like looked at Kirby and Infantino. Like you're hitting yeah. the two two of the biggest comics artists in the history of comics mm. and it's really hard to to deal with that all right i'm just gonna like i'm gonna short circuit something sure. that i was going to do towards the end because i think it's really fascinating to to look at specifically the way that he draws effeminate or feminine especially like intentionally going for like beautiful woman face the way he draws their noses the oh the uh, the pixie upturn 
uh, not even that. It's the fact that he doesn't draw from the tip of the nose up to halfway up the bridge, oh. specifically for uh, for beautiful women. But you pretty much you see it for uh, Hippolyta and for Wonder Woman and Wonder Girl, uh, because in the exact same like I have a bunch of comparison shots because it fascinated me where. Wonder Woman will have her face turned more straight onto the viewer than uh, Steve in the same shot will be a little bit a little bit more to the side. And he'll have like the full angle of his nose drawn. And she will have the the dots of her nostrils and like the bulb around oh, the nose. She's got the blondie nose from Dagwood. His wife, huh. his yeah, wife, okay. when you, when, from the side, she just has like no profile. Yeah. It's that face. Okay. It, honestly, that's the thing. From the side, she does, but three quarters angle and straight on. Yeah. It's the, she has, even less than that. Yeah. It's like her face just kind of puckers up and turns in a certain direction. Like mm, even let, let me bring up a point of comparison. Cause it really is just like the nostrils, like the bulge of the nose and then the upper half of the bridge of her nose. It's, yeah. a, it's a delicate nose. That's what he draws. Yeah. It's it's too delicate to draw like the the ball of the nose. Yeah, basically it's, up. It's basically a pointed nose with the the nostrils flare with the flaring nostrils. Yeah, just the lack Super of it. Weird. On yeah, the, they do have like a distinct lack of facial feature. Yep. And once I, it, you know, what it is. It's like the FedEx arrow. Once you notice it, you can't unnotice it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so that's our problem with Ross Andrew. Uh, hope you liked that. Mm. Um, but yeah, still Kaniger, who is hit or miss with mm. his writing of women. I mean, ever since he stopped Ooh, writing, man, uh, yeah. ever since he stopped writing Flash, and John Byrne took over, it was in, in significant uptick in quality. And look, we haven't seen Kaniger write anything other than this, so I'm not going to say he's a terrible writer. I'm just going to say that he can't write women, mm-hmm. much like. Gardner Fox has problems writing male-female relationships. He's gotten better, but we saw him do it in the Golden Age. We don't know where Kaniger's coming from, so this could be Kaniger's Golden Age Gardner Fox analog. And all I'm saying is that it ain't pretty. Yep. And we're about to get into it. So, oh my. Yeah, so Joanne's ready. Um, we're going to start with Wonder Woman number 113, April 1960. Uh, Wonder Woman and Steve get to Egypt for not important reasons. And sphinxes begin to come alive. Like, you know, the big old half, you know, lion with the face of a uh, uh, human things. Those things. They a bunch. Apparently, there's a bunch of them in Egypt. And they all come alive. And they believe that Diana is their queen. And they try and take Diana to her supposed tomb so that she can take over the world with this army of sphinxes. Of course, the Egyptian queen mummy character who is actually in the tomb arises and goes like, who's this lady? And they're like, wow, we got really confused because our eyes aren't real and they're made of stone. So how could we possibly have mixed up a woman with another? And this the mummy queen is like, that's a good point. I should really work on that later. But uh, kill this woman. And it doesn't work out, obviously. Wonder Woman convinces the sphinxes to fight each other because only a sphinx can be killed by another sphinx, which is a dumb rule. And um, she defeats the queen, who then mummifies in her hands. I'm not going to count that as a body count because Wonder Woman didn't make her mummify by doing anything to her. She just ended up doing that. It was very nondescript. Like, it was just like, oh, and she's now dust. And there was no reason for that to happen. Like, if you look back over that fight, they're tussling. 
and then she just turns to dust. It's not like Wonder Woman snapped her like magic staff of power or like with the last Sphinx being destroyed, she loses her power. It's just like, oh, and now she's dust. It's like, cool, I guess. It's like the irrational extreme of purpose of plot. Yeah, very much so. It's like, and now Disney death. Um, Load-bearing uh, final panel. <laughs> yeah, it's a load-bearing plot device. Um the second story is, uh, there will always be two stories now, um, one a Wonder Girl story and one a, a Wonder Woman story, um, alternating which comes first occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, the second story in Wonder Woman 113 is with Wonder Girl and is a collection of stupid stories about how dumb things happen during Wonder Girl's birthday parties. Namely, things like her not knowing her own strength when trying to blow out the candles and blowing the cake away, or an earthquake happening, or a rock, you know, with an ROC, the mythical creature coming and taking her cake for reasons unknown this also doesn't really fly with the timeline that we know <laughs> about wonder <laughs> girl um <laughs> and that's something why that's cute uh i'm gonna bring that up at the end but this is the first continuity error that i need to bring up um because we're gonna deal with that later wonder woman number 114 may 1960 now we're moving forward um like the macy's day parade mm-hmm. of balloons you know the Macy's Day Parade where they have those gigantic balloons up and they fly them around. They're like, look at giant SpongeBob, who's also next to giant Clifford. Those are two weird anachronistic things that you never really see next to each other anymore. Also, here's a giant Wonder Woman balloon. And Wonder Woman's like, this is pretty cool. And then a, a, a violent wind blows all the balloons away and they're gone for like two days. Suddenly... All the balloons come back, and they're all monster balloons now. So basically, every balloon has turned alive and is now doing things to the planet. Wonder Woman has to stop them. And, of course, the Wonder Woman balloon is doing the worst thing, which is stealing an S-bomb. Yep. Which is not a thing, if I'm not mistaken, in my weapons of mass destruction knowledge. It Um, is not a thing. It's a completely fabricated construct by Robert Kaniger. Yeah, now I'm actually like going through in my brain trying to figure out what the S could what would, stand like, what would, for. Like, what could that possibly like a sulfur bomb? Like, I don't know what. Like, what I don't know. Like, but I'm saying yeah. like, yeah. what is like what periodic table element starts with just S that could potentially be a well, terrifying nuclear device? It, it actually wouldn't uh, be uh, an element because the traditional ones are A bomb and N bomb, uh, and well, one H bomb. H bomb, the hydrogen uh, bomb. That's true. That's one. Uh, but a bomb, atomic, yeah. uh, or atom. H bomb is just a uh, fusion bomb. And N was neutron. Uh, neutron neutron bomb. bomb. Yeah. Who knows? It's not important because mm-hmm. um, Wonder Woman uh, takes the Wonder Woman balloon, flies it up into space, and finds thirteen flying saucers, which are an alien invasion force who have decided that they're going to reanimate these balloon creatures to use them to fight against the Earthlings, because that was their plan all along. Too bad it doesn't matter because Wonder Woman throws the balloon and the H bomb and the H bomb wrong S bomb at them and destroys all thirteen uh, flying saucers. That is a body count for Wonder Woman. Boom! She just killed a lot of people. Yeah, we've kind of established that. Like Wonder Woman like, can kill anything that isn't people. Like submarines, UFOs don't count. <laughs> yeah, like submarines with the Flash, and I don't know um, robots, sentient robots with the Justice League. It doesn't count if it's not human. So, um, or vaguely, mostly alien. Thanks, Challengers of the Unknown. (laughs) Um, Second story is Wonder Girl wants a a kid her own age to play with. 
because you know being the only child on an island full of adult amazon women is kind of weird because like you don't have any like friends your age who are going through the same stuff as you so the amazons and alpha the amazon among them because i remember that my minor side characters with super awesome fashion sense um alpha decides that she's going to build wonder woman or rather wonder girl a robot girl to play with and um of course the shenanigans ensue and the robot girl is too strong to play with play catch with her she's too fast to jump rope with her and she can breathe underwater um so she could swim longer than her and apparently merboy gets too chummy with the robot at one point because he thinks it's a real girl and then the, the robot gets destroyed and then that begins the descent of merboy into being a terrible character i'm gonna come back to that in a few seconds um but that's the end of that story is that the robots destroy wonder girl's like "Ah, i don't need another girl to hang out with i'm pretty cool on my own we're also gonna uh, note something really quickly we just spoke about merboy um reno because remember i remember Mm. my minor character names and who also are just really interesting reno the merboy is now exclusively being called merboy it's weird and we're gonna talk about why that's weird Mer-boy. Yeah, he is the merboy, but we're going to talk about why this is weird um, pretty pretty quickly right now. Wonder Woman number 115, July 1960. Angle Man. That's the guy's name. It's just Angle Man. Um, back too. Makes a robot that is also a computer robot brain, much like, you know, Professor Erdell makes, except his, you know, Professor Erdell's transports Martians from Mars, whereas Angle Man's robot brain, robot character... Um, animates things that are inanimate and turns them into weapons it's weirdly non-specific power um he made a robot that's more powerful than it needed to be he could have just made a ray that animated things but he made something that could have the decision making power to do that it's stupid angleman makes a robot that animates inanimate objects and as wonder woman and steve trevor are investigating a bunch of sunken ships in a ship graveyard he animates the figureheads of the ships and Wonder Woman has to fight them. And they eventually destroy the robot and then catch Angle Man. All right. Second story. We were just talking about Merboy, or rather the Merboy. Uh, Reno tries to basically nice guy his way into getting Wonder Girl to like him um, by just being an absolute annoying shit and like trying to get her to talk to him while she's doing shit and like putting himself purposefully in danger so that she has to rescue him because he's like, ah, you do care about me because otherwise if you didn't, you wouldn't rescue me. He's being Lois Lane. He's just being Lois Lane, except as a presumably 14-year-old boy, which is even worse because yep. that's just more annoying. Yeah, um, and it has so many shades of toxic masculinity. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but oddly enough, Merboy has some really, really supportive friends. Like, Very. we're talking guys and gals who have names. They all refer to him as Merboy. Which was my first, Oh, like, wow, They yeah. all do. They all call him Merboy. None of them call him Reno. They all go, hey, what's going on, Merboy? So basically, he's just human kid. Like, if you were in school and you had and you knew a kid at your school who, boy, was, man. who was down on his luck, and it's like, what's up, human boy? Like, and that was his nickname? Like, can, what can the fuck? Can we do that? <laughs> can we do that now? It's like, I don't understand... I don't understand what's going on there because he's not a superhero. Mm-hmm. He's not like doing things underwater that like would make him a hero in his he own has right. Not earned the the. Yeah, he's just Merboy. Like, 
that's his nickname that everyone calls him in the Atlantean soda shop that they exist in. That I love that location, by the way. Every... It's the first time we've seen teenagers in a, a recognizably teenager It is amazing. It is amazing, and it still fucking baffles me that they haven't unified a version of Atlantis. <laughs> it's, yep. It is yep. going to be my favorite thing until someone somewhere says, no, we're done. This is what Atlantis looks like. And this is what we're going to make it because this is like straight on fucking aquarium sandcastles in the background. Yep. Like they look like the conical tower on like the, the flat square thing that has the portcullis. It's amazingly ridiculous. And like Flintstones era, what would the contemporary thing be in this otherworldly environment? That's a good comparison. And it's just that. It, like, you know how the how the Flintstone kids would go to, like, a sock hop or, like, a soda shop in Bedrock? And it would just be, like, them sitting on rock stools and the soda and, like, the, the milkshake jugs would be rock instead of glass. And the radio looks like a radio, but it's made of stone. And the jukebox looks like it's made of rock, but there's, like, the birds in it that make the records play. It's that, but Atlantean. So, like, everything is, like seaweed like shrimp burger or sea kelp milkshakes it's the most anachronistically weirdly baffling kidsy thing to be in this wonder woman comic yep and i i love it because it's so non sequitur and also merboy is just merboy to all of his friends and it's and oh and to to be clear what he was trying to do is to get wonder wonder girl to come to his undersea mer boy fraternity dance he was just trying to ask her out to go to a dance and he bothered her enough that she said yes eventually and and then like made her jealous because he was like because his the the girl mermaids who are with him are like well she obviously cares about you what you got to do now is make her jealous because that'll prove that she really does care about you because if she doesn't then she won't get jealous of you and I'm like, I'm I was 100% ready for a, a a mermaid friend heel turn. Oh yeah, for them yeah, one yeah, of them yeah. to be like, well, I like you, and that's why I was ruining your relationship mm-hmm. with Wonder Girl. And I was like, where was that? That would have been great. But it was just like, no, we're all gonna give you terrible advice forever. The I will say one advantage that the merboy does have over Lois Lane is, I mean. They're both acting like shitty teenagers, but at least he is a shitty yeah, teenager. Yeah, it would be a lot worse if this was, I don't know, maybe a grown man in his mid to late 30s who was a military officer. Skeet Trevor! Yeah. Can we, can we get a theme song? Like, like an intro, an intro bit? God, I will have to figure that out, but if we can, if you... Dear Gumshoes, want to make a Skeeve Trevor intro theme? Let us know and we'll sing over it, I guess. Uh, He's the worst. Skeeve Trevor. He's the worst. Uh, Wonder Woman, number 116, August 1960. Uh, Alternate here, we go with the Wonder Girl story first. Mm. Merboy gets in danger trying to get uh, fancy stuff for Wonder Girl. They found a plot thread and they're sticking with it. Yeah, he's just trying to prove his love to her by getting her fancy underwater jewels, gems, lost treasures. And every time he does, he gets in trouble and she has to save him. She's like, no, you're so cute. It's like, no, don't encourage him. He's being a douche. Uh, Second story. A time-traveling crystal creature who likes to cause catastrophes on Earth um, is about to cause another one with another S-bomb by having it detonate in low orbit. And uh, Wonder Woman... I'm going to say she kills him. Because there's a moment... In that story, when they're fighting on the um, 
as the rocket is flying mm-hmm. up into the, the, the stratosphere or whatever. I'm not a rocket scientist. I don't know. It's flying up. Rocket's going up. It's going going to go explode and go boom. Wonder Woman is fighting this crystal creature who has batted away all of her tools. And she's just flying at it. And they start doing this like flying chase thing mm-hmm. around the rocket. And she specifically dives out of the way to avoid a lightning bolt. And it hits the crystal creature and kills him. Now, I would have let that slide as a Disney death. But the way she's looking back at the corpse as it explodes suggests that she knew what was going to happen. And that was what she wanted. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that that's a, that's a kill. She killed him. Yeah, agreed. Um, so she destroys him and the bomb goes off in low orbit. It actually doesn't hurt anybody and everybody's fine. They're like, wow, that was pretty. And somehow Diana gets all of her stuff back. Um, after being knocked out of the way and deflected while they were in flight, you know, keeping pace with a rocket. Lord knows that stuff could have flown anywhere. I didn't even think of that portion. Um, Wonder Woman number 117, October 1960. Hey, uh, do you remember Etta Candy and how much we miss Etta Candy? Um, guess what? She's back. It's not what you think. Um, so we have Etta's got friends now and they're, they're named. So, unlike the holiday college girls of old, mm. they all have names now, except for that one that was a Nazi spy for a, for oh, a hot minute. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and her sister, um, who was actually a secretary. But we're not going to go to mm. the bottom line. They're, they're name brand characters now, and they've all got speaking roles. Etta, Lita, Tina, and Thelma. Now, they all have something special about them. Meaning, um, Etta, Candy, likes to eat candy, and Lita... Toy likes to play with toys, and Tiny, or uh, Tina, Tiny is small, and uh, Thelma, tall, is really tall. Um, Etta likes to eat candy, and uh, Lita only ever thinks about toys. Tina, who is tiny, wishes she was tall, and Thelma, who is tall, wishes she was small. Um, What the actual fuck is this? (laughs) What the fuck? What am I? What? These are real characters? You know what this is? This is a monkey's paw. Yeah, this is a fucking... These are the three dumb inventors from The Flash. No, no. See, they're about one makeover short of being TMNT villains. It's it's so lazy, everyone. It's so lazy. Because not only are these things that, like, you find out about these characters... They explicitly state them in thought bubbles upon their first introduction. Oh wow, yeah. Yep. It's not it's not like, oh, you know, Thelma's constantly asking to like, you know, be put shorter in pictures or like she's, mm. you know, kneeling down so she appears shorter or like is constantly bumping her head on things because she's tall. She legit says, Boy, I wish I was small. And little Tina says straight up, Man, I wish it must be great to be tall. Like, what the f- Yeah. It's so weird. It's so unnecessarily spelled out. And I don't even know what to do about it. But here we are at Wonder Woman number 117 <laughs> with the Holiday College Girls in October 1960. Um, they, Wonder Woman just shows up and she's like, hey, girls, you want me to tell you a story? Like they're children and not in college. And they're like, sure, Wonder Woman. And she's like, cool. What do you want to hear a story about? And they're like, oh, about candy, about toys, about a tiny girl who gets really tall or about a tall girl who gets really tiny. And she's like, how about fishing? And they're like, none of that was, that was never an option. We never gave that to you as an option. 
So Wonder Woman. Wonder tells, Woman is the worst at improv. Yeah, Wonder Woman has has no, no, no yes and. Oof, no, she's just she's got her script and she's sticking to it, um, especially when Kaniger writes it. So Wonder Woman begins to tell them stories, three stories that all have the theme of fishing somewhere in them, and it's not important, but the bottom line becomes that a spaceship, a UFO, straight up drops out of the sky and tries to fish Wonder Woman and the four holiday college girls off the campus lawn, I guess. And while they're being taken up into, you know, low orbit, a satellite, a U.S. satellite is also crashing down at the same time. And Wonder Woman lassos the satellite and smacks it right into the UFO. So that's another body count for Wonder Woman. And uh, that's the end of that story. That she just saves them by killing a UFO with U.S. property. Yep. Uh, it's bad. Yeah, second so. story. Wonder Girl tries to meet Wonder Woman through time travel and it doesn't work because... There's rules, I guess. The rules being that, like, you can't be in the same place at the same time as your future self. It's really weird. It also brings up a lot of questions about whether or not the Amazons are really doing the right thing because they can see all the future as it plays out and they're choosing not to do anything about it. And that really bothers me that they have that ability and they're just like, nah, we're cool, we're Amazons and stuff. It's like, you're letting wars happen. But, you know, whatever. We're not going to poke too many holes in this Swiss cheese. Wonder Woman number 118, the first full-length story um, with no Wonder Girl uh, attachment. Uh, no- November 1960. Steve meets Merman. Yep. And it's not Zoolander. Look, so you remember Reno and how we were talking about the fact that like he was just being called Merboy? Well, this is Reno grown up, and he's Merman, except when he grows up, he also hasn't entirely changed his name. It's now Mano. All yeah. right. Um, so Reno is now Mano, but he's we're just going to call him Merman now because it's not important because you're going to get confused with the names. And um, Steve starts to get the sneaking suspicion that Wonder Woman has a, another fella that she's really into. Because otherwise, how could she possibly refuse Steve and his ridiculous incessant advances? And he follows her in her invisible jet as she flies off to go to Themyscira and his experimental glider that he misappropriates for stalking his girlfriend, I guess. Mm-hmm. And flies and follows her to Ther- uh, Themyscira where she is on like a small atoll talking to Merman and he gives her like some flowers and they're just chatting up because they're childhood friends and Steve is completely forlorn so much so that he almost crashes into Paradise Island Diana must save him and then she puts him on the atoll as well and she's like wow your ship's all fucked up and he's like yeah it's super weird I was out here by myself doing totally not stalking stuff and she's like yeah I, I believe you um why don't you fix your stuff and you know Mano and I or Merman and I will go get some food and he's like yeah cool that's cool and he starts to stew, and he's just like, oh, I hate this. And they go back to the island, they have a picnic. Something happens that they have to climb up to stop, like, a mm. bird from doing something. Oh, uh, a giant a giant bird picks up Merman, because it thinks he's a fish. And Steve tries to save him. And there's that dumb moment of, like, both Merman and Steve hanging on the edge of a cliff, going like, which one will Wonder Woman save? And it's like, oh god, it's the Hunger Games. Um, but... She ends up saving both of them because obviously, because yeah. she's Wonder Woman and she would. And they do the like, well, which one do you like better? And she's like, I'm just not going to answer that. And that's the end of the comic is her like, you know, mugging for the camera going like, I prefer not to do this. And Th- that that's being the end. said, there is actually one more thing before the end of the comic. Oh, and true. that is the fact that the narrator also asks the reader who they think that Wonder Woman right. chose to like save. it, like they're setting it up for a future change in the storyline, which we know they're not going to do. No. Um, Wonder Woman number one nineteen, January nineteen sixty. Happy New Year! This is also the last one we're going to cover. Uh, reverse story here. We get Wonder Girl story first. 
Merboy tries to win a tiara of pearls for Wonder Girl in a fishing contest um, and ends up not doing it and stumbles upon a pearl tiara later and then gives it to her. So the whole story was a wash, I guess. Then the second story, this is actually kind of the most interesting one. Um, Inez Gray. So you remember that um, mm-hmm. that weird contest or a couple episodes back of Wonder Woman where like a girl got picked because she was like the most American and got to have three wishes with Wonder Woman and one of them was like I wish to hang out with you when you were a girl and like mm-hmm. they time traveled and it was cool and whatever um, so that's apparently an ongoing competition that happens frequently and so Wonder Woman observes this girl Inez Gray or Inez Gray um, not really sure it's I-N-E-Z either way Basically besting all the holiday college girls at their preferred hobby slash sport. And she's like, wow, that girl's really cool at stuff. And of let, course, let the record show that the holiday girls have been around for exactly one story and they're already getting jobbed out. Yeah, they're yeah, <laughs> that's true. They're getting jobbed out. And to, squash matches too. Oh yeah. Like they're all getting terribly beaten in the thing that they're apparently really good at, which is just sad. So the contest happens, the winner is picked, and it is this girl, Inez Gray, and she's like, for my first wish, I wish to have uh, Wonder Woman's bracelets. So this girl apparently has a chip on her shoulder thinking that she's better than Wonder Woman, and she's and she's like, all I need is your stuff, and I'm better than you. And Wonder Woman's like, it's kind of not, kind of at all how this works, I have like superpowers, but sure, small child let's 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 do the dance and so i inez basically gets you know the stupid thing that happens to her whenever you try and like best a superhero which is every time i try and do the thing that they do it's not going to work out and that person has to save me so inez goes i want your bracelets it doesn't work um she gets shot at she can't block them so wonder woman moves her arms for her at super speed to block the bullets um she asks for the lasso and tries to save Steve Trevor, doesn't do it, so Wonder Woman has to save Steve Trevor with the lasso. She asks for the tiara, tries to use it to fight off a mountain lion, doesn't do it, Wonder Woman has to fight off the mountain lion, and then she's like, well, I still think I'm better than you, and then Wonder Woman drills into the earth to find water to put out the forest fire that's around them, and that is what tips it for the girl, and she's like, wow, yeah, I guess you really are better than me, notwithstanding the fact that I failed three times to do the things that you do normally um, on a given, any given day. Um, that that really cinched it. That that Superman thing you did. Yeah. That's a super. She's yeah. Superman. She had to Superman to get this girl to believe her, and that was really stupid. Um, so that's the end of this. The end of this stuff that we're going through. Um, so obviously the biggest retcon is Reno is now Mano, which is now Merman and Merboy for no reason. Um, but also the birthday story brings up a little something interesting. Oh. The original story about going to Paradise Island is one where Wonder Girl is already old enough to be helping them on the voyage. Remember? She, like, is instrumental in helping them get to where they're going. Oh, good memory. I have a curse. Um, (laughs) And so she's, like, instrumental in finding their way to to Themyscira. Mm -hmm. Somehow she's also, like, super young in some of those? Because she's, like... Yeah, three in one of yeah. those, and it's like very obvious in the Wonder Girl stories about her origins that she's got to be twelve, mm-hmm. give or take, old enough to be a kid mm-hmm. and help in that way, not in like the super baby way. Yeah. So 
that brings up a weird question of when these birthday stories are happening and where. Are some of them on the first island and then the rest of them on Paradise Island? I don't, I don't, I don't know. It was a weird it was a weird story. I didn't understand how that happened. There's a weird continuity hole there. But the no prize in my head is they just there were birthdays in different places. <laughs> so that was what they were I'll, I'll remembering. But sure, that was just a weird, weird thing that I noticed. I was like, hmm, when were you on Paradise Island? Because you weren't that old when you got there. Uh, anyway, um, that is going to do it for me because we, we really dove, dove into the dumb stuff like the the Flintstonian-esque uh, sock hop soda jerk. But yeah, so that's going to be it uh, for summary. Do you have... Notes? I have a variety of just... Oh, good. Thoughts. Good. A good, lot good. of just thoughts. Uh, first off, like... This was from the very, like, I think the first three pages of what we covered. There's a point where Wonder Woman doesn't want to stop to pick up Steve on the way. So, just, there, she's flying by in the invisible, uh, uh, the invisible jet, (laughs) and she just lassos to the ground and yanks. Yeah. So, I looked it up, and, uh, let's make the assumption that the invisible jet can go as slow as a Cessna. Because remember, like, if you remember aerodynamics from high school, probably high school, maybe college if you had cool advanced uh, uh, science classes, uh, that things that are flying, at least with, like, normal wing styles, have a stall speed. If you're going below a certain relative speed then, or, yeah, below a certain relative speed, then you're going to stall and fall because you're not generating enough lift. It's, I say relative speed, or, yeah, relative speed, and that's important because it's not, like, what your ground speed is. It is actually, like, how much ground distance you're covering. So, I mean, like, let's say for a Cessna, it's roughly, like, 40 miles per hour ground speed. Very roughly. I'm apples and oranging. Uh, And... The invisible jet, definitely more like a fighter, but let's assume it's less likely to stall because of Amazon tech. Yeah, so, sure. Cessna. We'll give it we'll give it some superhero tech. Can you imagine a car or a plane going past at 40 miles an hour and suddenly the person next to you just get yanked from zero to forty right away? I can, and I think it's called the show Jackass. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So the story with the Sphinxes, um, Specifically, the reason they go to Egypt initially is to catch a falling nose cone from a Trident missile. Correct. So, first off, wow, who's launching a Trident in the Mediterranean? <laughs> uh, there were actually... Uh, that the U.S. That, is recovering. Yeah, well, there were there were boomers stationed in the Mediterranean, which, you know, makes sense. Uh, but here's the thing. This is falling over Egypt. Egypt was not part of the American orbit at this time. This is 1960. Egypt was actually like uh, Nasser a couple years later was like one of the founders or the founder of the unaligned movement. And the Great Sphinx of Giza is basically in Cairo, which is where the like the cone is landing in the Valley of the Sphinxes. And it's like, okay, great, great Sphinx. That's part of Cairo. How did they handle part of a nuclear missile falling towards a major world capital. Yeah. That doesn't... I feel like someone somewhere was called. It, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, um, one of our nukes is going to just... It's going to brush past you. Just just ignore it. We're sending a, a, a government employee and a superhero that's wearing our colors 
um, to deal with it. Don't don't consider this a weird act of war. Do you have oil by any chance? <laughs> oh, oh, it's a weird oh. question asking for a friend. Uh, here's an ad that bugged me. So there's an ad of uh, the idea is, oh, answer this little trivia question and we'll give you a signet ring. And if you read the second half of the uh, second like chunk of text, it talks about, oh, and by the way, we're going to send you a like uh, catalog uh, that you can use to sell like sell stuff to people and like send in proof of purchase and we'll give you stuff. All that stuff. Uh, like it bugs me because there are other ones like this. In this era, like, uh, in the same issue later on, there's a, wow, like, if you just, like, you can get spending money or these prizes by mailing in for, like, these order forms and then getting people to sign up. It's like, I mean, that's that's a bit of a pyramid scheme, but at least it's one that's upfront about it. Here it's, wow, you'll win a genuine signet ring. And we'll send you these things and you promise to try to sell them. It's like, (laughs) fuck you. It's like, you know what it is? It's clickbait. Yeah. What do you think? Does the giant balloon story count as another giant story? Yeah. All right. But another one, like, I don't, it's not a ding, but. It's not a ding. No, it's a, it's a but, giant story. Yeah. It's just like, whatever, whatever sound effect you imagine us making whenever we call out a giant story, make it Plus happen. Plus Wonder Woman's had enough giant stories to, to not have an episode where one is there. Yeah. You know. For yeah. us, you know, like she's she's had her fill of going to giant lands and having giants come down here, and it's, uh, she was the originator of the giant story, I believe. You know, that sounds right. That sounds right. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about paneling in special in comparison to Carmine Infantino. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's specifically one sequence where she's trying to get through the invisible jet as it's being tossed around to reach the joystick, avoid crashing. And it's structured very differently from the way Carmine Infantino would do it because it's the first shot is just like a distant shot of the plane out of control. The second shot is her like pulling her way through uh, a little bit zoomed in, but still like like a like side cigar shot of the plane, like as she's pulling her way towards the front. And then the third shot is more or less from like the perspective of the control stick, uh, like her at a weird angle trying to get closer. And it's it really brings forward to me like Carmine Infantino would have done like one of those in progress shots. Even if it would either have been like the like sl- the motion of like the same oh, shot like with the... like changes or it would have been like the here's the shot of like all three panels if you put them next to each other are the the plane like doing a cutaway thing and you see her like moving through it uh but either way it's like using the structure of those it three panels next to each other yeah like too much work like they could have achieved that that story moment in the way that you would explain like in the like like the flash sort of mm. a panel where like you see the flash doing multiple things yeah, in the yeah. same panel mm. like you feel like this was an over like it was overdone less over less overdone more that each panel doesn't read as like progressing towards an objective it's just like okay like here are three different panels of someone doing the same thing instead of 
Oh, show show me the progress. Ah, okay. That that was the thing that killed me. Um, oh, this was a thing that was interesting. Um, I want to call this out because it's like it's heartening a little bit. Uh, for all that we view the '50s and the early '60s as being a patriarchal religious values era. Uh, reading through one of the issues is a letter, uh, or actually, no, it's not the, it's not letters to the editor. It's not the mail column. It's like, I mentioned they often do like, uh, here's a one page like story or them talking about something like prose. Uh, this is one that's, uh, very clear about, uh, Genesis not being fact in, in the, in the sense of like, Experts talk about uh, man-like beings first appearing on Earth half a million years ago. It's like, good on you. Here's a little bit of a contentious statement. So, Hippolyta doesn't give Wondergall the best advice for dealing with with Reno. But she's also, like, fairly tender and empathic. uh, And she is involved with her daughter's life. She is actively, like, with Wondergall, like, hey, here are my thoughts. Is she the best parent we've seen? At least in terms of like actively on screen frequently. Well, we haven't seen many parents. I think that's that's very, very true. That's the thing is, if we were reading Superboy, we'd have to compare Hippolyta to Ma and Pa Kent. And I I think think she would stand up to Ma and Pa Kent. We don't don't know. We don't know. But that's who she'd be fighting against is Ma and Pa Kent. Yeah. Yeah. Until we see any of these other characters. Oh no, we've seen um, Martian Manor's parents. Oh yeah. But they, yeah, were, they were in chill, a panel. But, yeah. but like, it's not enough to give a you know yeah. decent investigation in their parenting style. Mm-hmm. We haven't. Even, oh, we've seen no Wally's dad. We've seen uh, Wally's parents yeah. a couple times, and they're a couple times, but not... they're cool. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Oh yeah. Uh, so we mentioned Angleman. Angleman, <laughs> and uh, I didn't like. I, I hadn't heard of Angleman, but I d- uh, Angleman if... does keep showing up. Yeah, uh, uh, apparently Angleman, like I think at least this version of him dies in uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, like apparently tries to use the power of the angle something uh, oh, while while the multiverse is collapsing. It's like, oh, that was a bad idea. Well, well, but, I'm sure we'll see that happen. <laughs> but on the DC Wikia, there's an image of him di- entirely different outfit. Uh, like in this version, like Angle is like having an angle on a score kind of thing. There, it's still technically that, but they lean into angles. Oh, so he like, got like right angles and crap all over him. There is a picture of him in a yeah. green and yellow jumpsuit holding one of those like right angle triangles that you use for tracing. Good. With a triangle shaped holster. Good. Doing a cross between a DBZ power up yell and a pelvic thrust. Good. And if I have to know that, you do too. Fucking good, man. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, I love mean, that. like, he's about to go Mystic Angle Man. I'm, I'm ashamed I didn't Google Angle Man and Dr. Internet because. I legit thought that that was just like a one-off character. Yeah. Holy balls, Angle Man comes back. Yeah. I can't wait till we see him again. Yeah. I can't, because then we could be like, it's the return of Angle Man. There's a specific one where uh, this really encapsulates the issue that I have and how the writing doesn't live up to what it's supposed to uh, or what it should. 
where uh, Hippolyta, I mentioned, she gives bad advice. Uh, and she's saying to Diana, like, Diana, maybe Merboy only acted this way because he wanted to get your attention. And uh, Diana's just like, I don't care. It was horrid. That was just, that. that is verbatim what she says. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, his motive, I, I, the intention I shouldn't understand. Matter. Like, it's one thing. I, I intellectually understand being shitty because you don't know how to flirt. Yeah, that does happen. But it doesn't it does, that's matter. That's not an excuse. You're it's still not an horrid. excuse. You're still being bad. Yeah. It's also the idea of, like, there are times when you can explain yourself to go, like, oh, just this is how you understand why I was being terrible. doesn't mm-hmm. excuse you being terrible. It just makes clarification. Yep. And here's the key issue, like... In terms of the way the stories are framed, uh, there are at least two Merboy stories that are explicitly like this, where uh, he spends the entire issue explicitly being shitty. Like, uh, there's the one where uh, he's trying to get, like, the Pearl Tiara, and he's just taking dumb risks. That's one thing. There, then there are the ones where he is getting himself in trouble to get her attention. Well, he is trying to get her attention by sailing a whole bunch of fish, like uh, a whole fish. bunch of flying fish over Paradise Island that are basically just like, hey, she's ripping my heart out. You're being awful to me. Yeah, and I was like, how are the Amazons not going like, well, fuck that dude. Yeah. Like, that is and, the that is the peak thing that they hate is a guy being shitty like that. Yep. And... Then, like, the last time, the last sequence in this, like, are in, in each of these stories is, and then something happens where he proves himself uh, to Diana and they, they wind up being on good terms. Yeah. And the specific issue I have with that is that it doesn't address the shittiness for the first part. It's exactly. just, well, you care about me because you risked your life for me. And it's like, on one hand, that's valid. But we got to talk about this shit earlier because otherwise the story is just saying, well, that doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just like Lois Lane purposely putting herself in danger to get Superman's attention. It's like you should really probably stop trying to get yourself killed because one of these days I'm just not going to be able to be there because I'll be doing something else. And this is probably a dumb way to get my attention. Maybe we should have a conversation about this. And even aside from the dumb ways to get my attention, it's like. There were times where he was being shitty to her, and she said he was being shitty. Yeah. And then there was no point where it was, and I'm sorry yeah. about earlier. There was no moral you, of the story, and he never yes. apologized. Yeah. You've got to have a moral of the story yeah. if you want your characters to get over being bad. All right, two last bits, and they're both pretty quick. Um, the first is one of the sports that the Holiday Girls lose to Inez at is fencing yeah and they're fencing with epes in leotards and a mask that covers just the face it doesn't do like any kind of wrap side of the head and stuff like that hmm? the side of the head or anything like no that? no it's just like it's basically like uh the front mesh and then like a band to hold it to the back of the head and i just want to say like there's okay, so I'm a fencer, uh, and actually getting back into it, which He's, makes he me says happy. while wearing his fencing T-shirt. Oh yeah, well yeah, forgot about that. By the way, uh, but there's first off, no, that's not no. You would never no, especially not Epe, because Epe is actually like 
it is a pokey weapon to put yeah. it in simplistic terms there are ones that are a little more slappy uh saber is a cutting weapon it's meant to emulate a cutting weapon so instead of like getting poked at okay like there you're getting smacked maybe you get a welt instead of like a deep bruise but more generally i'm gonna diatribe for a minute here because this is something that is actually a little bit important and actually really interesting to me so fencing there are a ton of safety things in place in fencing uh because they're concerned not so much about normal wear and tear but about the risk if a blade breaks because when when a blade is normally placed, like let's use a, a foil or an epee as an example because they're more standard, uh, and they've got a little button on the end, and you'd have to do a lot of work to hurt someone with the blade as is. Like you can get some ugly bruises from like uh, there's a period of time in foil where the flick was the thing, and it was okay. How much can you how much can you get like whip? to get around someone's blade and hit them on the shoulder. And you got some ugly bruises from that. And if there are people who have enough arm strength to do that with an epee, which is a heavier blade, and yeah, that one's going to hurt. But the real danger is if a blade snaps, then you have a jagged object that is already likely moving towards somebody. Uh, and that's the nightmare scenario. Like that, that is the reason that if you go to a fencing tournament everyone's masks have been given like the punch test like they have little uh like little little pointy things that they will push into the mesh of your mask to make sure that it can stand up to like the impact from a broken blade hitting your mask uh, and they'll you'll get a stamp on the side of your mask for every tournament that you've been on so that they know oh yeah this one's been expected uh that they'll also ha you'll also be wearing an underarm protector because that is the night other nightmare scenario is okay what if a blade breaks and goes into your underarm where all of those veins are and that happens to be like I mean think about if you're holding a blade out like that area is super exposed uh, like the jackets are really like especially the ones rated for international competition are really pretty tough like uh i want to say 800 newtons of force mm. is how much uh the international jackets are supposed to be able to handle uh i don't know if they're actually like kevlar but they do a lot of like redistribution of hits but anyways seeing ladies in leotards with half masks fencing epe it just it it, it hits some of my buttons yeah and the last thing because i found this interesting when Inez uh, is uh, failing to uh, rescue Steve Trevor with the golden lasso as he's falling, it, here's the thing. Because Inez is just a normal person, she's on a train when Steve Trevor is falling out of a plane and she tries to save him. That's an upward shot, which the way it winds up working is Wonder Woman takes the lasso from her after she misses and then lassos him and, like, vibrates the lasso so that it stays, like, rigid and lowers him down that way. Which, if it stuck around, would be, I think, would be a really fascinating power. I like those kind of, like, kinetic things where it goes yeah. from, like, oh, from really whippy to it, it's locked in place. It w would be really interesting if, like, lasso manipulation became more of a thing for mm -hmm. her. I agree. Um, but anyways, that is what I have. Uh, recommendations. All right.
I'm going to recommend something. I don't necessarily recommend you play it, but if you're already playing this game, I have a DLC to recommend. Crusader Kings 2, any Paradox game is a zillion hours. I am only being mildly hyperbolic. Uh, it's true, I've watched him play. Yep, many, many hours. I think I have two, I think I have a little less than 2,000 hours on Europa and 500, maybe 700 on CK2. And they just released what might be the Swan Song DLC. Uh, it, it It's version 3.0. So you kind of wonder if, meh. But they buried an amazing bit of Easter egg. Uh, if you, they added a feature where, oh, you can uh, generate a random world and it'll have different cultures or you set it to the same historical cultures, but it changes the, the starting layout. If you generate a world and then go into the culture selection and you can do, oh, random, oh, historical, oh, animal kingdoms. I am not making this up. I bought that DLC explicitly for that with the purpose of playing Redwall, more or less. There you go. Because every character... By default, it's not every single character, but there will be, like, cultural areas that are, oh, here are the ducks, here are the polar bears. And it's... (laughs) Like, it's probably... That's pretty great. It's probably right that it's a little Easter egg-y because it's not much of an implementation. Like, the different cultures do nothing. It... The only thing that matters is whether you're in culture or out culture. Uh, it's not like, oh, this culture has different powers. Uh, and the normally, like, there are a bunch of different options in, like, character profiles. They'll have, like, there are different, like, hair type options or uh, eye colors or different, like, blemishes. And it's just every single duck has the same duck portrait. It's just different backgrounds. That that's all that's there, and they have different versions for like children. So there'll be like little uh, ducklings. Uh, there'll be eggs for the dragons. There we go. So that's like that's the extent of it. So it's a really limited implementation. But goddamn, like in a world where that game might be best known for the Game of Thrones mod. Yeah. How do you not lean into? By the way, we made a little five dollar animal DLC pack. Yeah, just because. Yeah. You might as well. Yeah. That's funny. I'm going to recommend, because I saw them uh, just this uh, past week in Vegas, uh, the Postmodern Jukebox. I saw them live. They're really, really, really good. Um, The live show was only about an hour. I suspect it has something to do with how many songs they could get licensed to perform live in front of a crowd. Um, But it was a phenomenal show. Everyone did amazing. The tap dancer was there. The live band was there. Um, It was just a great show. The music is, it's really interesting because it's versions of songs that you wouldn't really expect them to do. Because sometimes when you hear covers, it's just like, I'm going to play the song the way it's done, just on different instruments. They actually change the type of song that it is based off of the genre of music so like the jazz versions of certain songs are going to sound different even though it's like a more upbeat you know song they did actually a really cool like kind of scatty version of um last friday night um katie perry's last friday night um which was really great but there were versions of songs that were kind of like michael buble-esque but were like 90s punk songs that were like really interesting um i i can't think of the songs off the top of my head but um they did a really good job on radioactive um imagine dragons 
um, sort of a, an upbeat, jazzier Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden. Really good stuff. It was a really worthwhile show. Um, they're on YouTube. You can see them doing their stuff there. It's honestly better to watch them on YouTube because you get the full experience of seeing the performer and the band and whatever. Um, but they do have some of their songs on iTunes. Um, but I would I would absolutely recommend checking them out um, in any sort of fashion just because it's fun to see different genres of music taking on familiar songs and thinking about how other people engage in your media. So that'll do it for us tonight. This this is it, everybody. We're going to the Justice League now. Woo! We're back. We're, the gang the gang's all here. We're getting ready. We're gonna do we're we'll do a, a recap of who everybody is, just so y'all remember, and then we'll jump right into it. And we'll do probably a couple episodes of Justice League to Good. really cover some ground. Good. My goal is to get into like nineteen sixty four. Because then we can get to Doom Patrol and stuff like that. Um, so we're going to cover quite a lot of ground. And then we're going to jump back into everybody else's books again and cover the ground again. But that's kind of how we want to do this now is, you know, like we like we kept saying, move the yardstick, catch everybody up. You know, once we've established where everyone is we'll see what the team book is like and then because i i really am looking at the team book i'm looking at justice league as the continuity of the universe as things will begin to happen to it um things will begin to fill out in the other books as well um so that'll be really cool um so we'll do that next we'll see you all then DC Detectives can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and dcdetectivespodcast.com. The feeling of discomfort that Reno and Steve Trevor's behavior gave us could only be matched by the nausea that followed time travel. When we got back to the present, we were eager to bid the Amazon and her suitors farewell. As we said our goodbyes, Wonder Woman mentioned that she'd be happy to give us a lift back to the office. After all, she was heading to the next Justice League meeting. Matt and I couldn't pass up the opportunity to see the gang again.